This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 442 of Horse Tip Daily, a different horse tip, a different equine topic, a different equestrian expert every day. Horse Tip Daily brings the world of equine knowledge to you one day at a time. This tip is sponsored by Horse Depot. For all of your custom needs, visit thehorsedepotonline.com. Howdy all, Glenn the Geek back with you from Lexington, Kentucky, and welcome back to Horse Tip Daily. And Horse Tip Daily is back after the Rolex break. We took a week off there to do a Rolex Kentucky three-day event here in Lexington, Kentucky. But it's good to be back, and it's good to have you back, and I hope that uh, you enjoyed your little break from our daily tips here. Well, we uh, are going to do a series this week. Thanks to thehorse.com, they provide uh, a segment for us on Horses in the Morning Show. We do here every day on the Horse Radio Network. And they did a segment. So if you listen to the Horses in the Morning Show on a regular basis, then these are probably going to be repeats for you, and you could skip over a couple of them. If you don't, then it'll be a good way to get caught up on on a very interesting series that thehorse.com did with us on laminitis. They did a... They called it April Laminitis Month, and they did a series of four segments on laminitis and really went through everything. So if you're uh, not quite sure what it is or or you just need a refresher course, then these next couple of days of tips will be will be for you. You'll learn so much, and you'll, you'll certainly get a lot out of it, maybe have a couple chuckles along the way, too. So these are taken off the Horses in the Morning show on Wednesdays when thehorse.com does their Horse Health Weekly Report. Christy West is the uh, is helps us out with that from thehorse.com along with her panel of experts to hear different ones over the next couple of days. So we're going to be taking a listen to the first in their series on laminitis here in just a moment. But first, you know, I want you to th- th- think about some of the custom products that you might need for you or your horse. Maybe you could show off those unique barn colors. If you want to do that, then there's one place to go, and that's the Horse Depot. It's the place for all of your custom custom apparel and sheets and saddle pads or equestrian bags of any kind. They have the top names that you're going to want, including Blue Ribbon and Jacks and Fenwick and Tally Ho. All companies that have been around for a long time and that put out quality products. If you want certain colors, if you want to match your barn colors, if you want to make sure that you have matching saddle pads and breeches and sheets and things like that, then the Horse Depot Online are the ones to go to. You can get the cut colors and features you want for those spring sheets or protect your saddles, bridles, and show clothes with custom equestrian bags made of the colors of your choice. And don't forget, one of the reasons I really recommend thehorsedepotonline.com is their customer service. When you're buying custom stuff, you can't afford to get it wrong. You can't afford to be confused about what goes where and what's the trim and what's the piping and blah, blah, blah. You really want to go to a place that knows, and that place is thehorsedepotonline.com. And now, from episode 113 for April 6, 2011, on the Horses and Morning Show, the Horse Health Weekly segment, the first in a four-part series on laminitis. First of all, I'd like to say hello to Christy. 
Um, but Christy, we were supposed to have a gross out Glen week. However, I don't think that laminitis is going to do it. It has some gross aspects, but I, I have some heavier artillery waiting in the wings, but I have some <laughs> visuals that I need to send you guys for this, and they're not quite ready. Oh, so, good. Visual. Good oh, photos. Great. Now she's going to do visuals. That's still <laughs> what I need. Like, it wasn't gross enough that. just hearing about the pus spurting across the room. Now we have to see it. He you can't could. even say the word pus. Did you hear that? I know. Like, I know. Hey. It doesn't come out. <laughs> <laughs> Glenn, you oh, might well, notice we'll that I put something on your Facebook post this morning. I just told you to live in fear. <laughs> <laughs> well, fortunately, laminitis is one of those things that could 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 not be kind of gross for Glenn, but I find incredibly fascinating to learn about, to educate people about, because I think that education and prevention is is the way, you know, to stop laminitis for, you know, 90% of the cases. So, you know, obviously Dr. Jones is here. Good morning, Dr. Jones. Good morning. Good morning. How's Florida? (laughs) (laughs) We had a little cold snap come through last night with that horrible rain that the whole East Coast got. And I, do you want me to be honest? Yeah. I'm sitting with a heater on my feet. <laughs> Probably 70 degrees. It's not 70 yet. It's almost going to get up to 70 today. <laughs> Let's see. The, the, heat, the thermometer on my wall, which is, of course is a little bit misscrewed because, you know, misconstrued because of the uh, heater going on in my room here, but um, it's uh, about 64. Oh, that's freezing. Girl, I feel uh, you. I'm going to tell you what. Here in Phoenix, Arizona, it is. It can be 117 degrees, but no matter where you go, you have to bring a jacket because everybody's dang air conditioning is cranked down to 64 degrees, and you about freeze everywhere you go. <laughs> exactly. Everybody's always aggressive with their climate control. You know, in the winter, you're wearing tank tops inside. In the summer, you're wearing down jackets. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Don't go to a movie theater here in the summer. You'll kill yourself. And <laughs> you in Florida. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we're going to talk today about laminitis, and I read that uh, April is laminitis month. You know, uh, every, every every month has something, I guess. So can, <laughs> welcome to laminitis month here on <laughs> in the morning. You know, we wanted to, we really, we, we kind of unofficially just declared laminitis month for the show's purposes because there's, it, there's a lot of reasons why this, this this time of year tends to tends to see a lot more laminitis cases. But before we get into the reasons why, I wanted to ask you a question, just because almost everybody has a laminitis story, and I'm a little curious as to what's yours. Um, I refuse to answer this question, so I don't. <laughs> the that my... would incriminate you? <laughs> no, oh, no. I, I don't want to jinx myself. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I I I pretty much just starve my horses out here, so make it. <laughs> So no, no friends, um, no pasture mates, no barn oh, mates that you've ever ran into that you saw laminitis horse. I worked at the equine podiatry clinic in Lexington or outside of Lexington um, for a, a, a summer, actually, and saw the most dramatic cases that you can possibly see. And then being here in Phoenix working at a veterinary hospital, you know, laminitis is, you see that, 
probably a tenth of the case, the lameness cases, if not more, are all laminitis, laminitis, laminitis. And, and it's one of those things that, God, you just wish you had one answer for the people on how to fix it. But if there was one, I guess we'd all do it. So there's a ton of different ways to try to fix it, I guess. So um, I don't I don't want to answer a laminitis case as far as my own horse goes because, again, I don't want to jinx myself. But, Jennifer, do you have one? <laughs> we had um, a pony that foundered proper. She was a Cushing's pony. And it's very it's kind of dramatic in that um, she was wearing a muzzle 24-7. She was living outdoors. Um, and the pasture she was on was extremely sparse. But that pony still managed to founder, and um, we were trying to treat her. And we the the veterinarian was literally on his way over to the barn to euthanize that pony when somebody in the research field said, "We have a spot in our research program, and she's a good candidate. We'll take her, and you know we'll we'll work with her on this new treatment we're doing, and see if we can't save her." And some of the treatments were like, oh, my God. But they, they did get her to the point where she could be happy wandering around and she gave pony rides to little you know, grandchildren and things. Um, but she was to that point where she, if she even looked at a blade of grass, she would found her. She had to live on a dry lot for the rest of her life. She got that bad. But she went from the insulin-resistant to the proper Cushing's, so she was way far at the edge. Um, and that was mm-hmm. my most dramatic laminitis story, but I think I've had a total of, I think, four different horses that were either my own or under my care. Um, one of them was a was a road founder from concussion. Um, no, two of those were road founders, and one of them was a medication withdrawal founder. So I've, I've tried a little of everything, and they all suck. You did. Yeah. You had some so, really rough roads around you, huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, the um, this, this was back in the 70s, and we lived back where the... Um, you know, most people didn't even own a saddle. So we just cruised everywhere. The horses didn't wear shoes, and the horse probably had other issues going on that we were completely unaware of. You know, we were pretty close anyway. Um, and luckily, both of the road founder cases were relatively minor. Um, you know, oh, gosh, uh, old old Silver here is getting a little foot sore. Let's have the farrier come out and put shoes on him. And the farrier goes, um, you got something more serious going on here, dude. Um, hey, Christy, but, you know, so... Well, what we talk, first of all, I don't even know what road founder is, but let's just talk about what what is laminitis for those people out there that might be listening going, what the heck are they talking about? What is this? <laughs> Obviously, it's in the foot, but what, well, what's going on here? Right, and I think that's a really important point, and Erin, uh, I think, has a great description for us. <laughs> well, I wouldn't say it's a great description, but it's what we all kind of go by. And I just want a real quick point. Jennifer really covered a lot of things that we're going to cover, so we're going to try to get through this. Uh, we'll start off with the definition, basically, of laminitis is inflammation of the lamina. What is lamina? Lamina is what holds the bone inside the hoof to the wall. So you could have just inflammation, no rotation, no sinking, no nothing. I know those are some foreign words to some people who have never heard of this, and still have a laminitic episode on your horse, have all the signs you see of one that rotated or dropped through the sole, and um, you need to address it right away. The other worst-case scenario is the lamina dies off. It can't hold the bone in there any longer, and it either rotates, meaning the front and side portion of the bone 
comes loose from the lamina, which is attached to the hoof wall, and starts to descend towards the sole because of the amount of pressure the body weight has on those front feet. And it's primarily front feet, but they can do it in the back feet. Then the last would be the horrible one that we all hate to see is a sinker where the lamina detaches all the way around, 3D view, all the way around from the outside to the toe to the inside of the hoof wall, and the bone sinks and drops completely down into the hoof wall. To give, yeah. So if for people who maybe haven't dealt with that, I guess in a human, if you were to have crunch your thumb in the car door, and eventually your fingernail falls off, it's yeah. the same biological process. The attachment Some, from one to the other. Somewhat, we've done more and more research and finding other factors involved because that's more trauma related, and they find that horses that have hoof wall trauma can grow back a normal hoof wall as opposed to those who have laminitic episodes, for some reason are not to grow back. They have a little bit more of an abnormal hoof wall. So it's similar in the fact that, yes, your fingernail peels off, but it's different because of the way that the microscopic parts of the body in the hoof are regenerating themselves. And, of course, it's a little more significant when you've got a horse that if he walks out of his foot, he's basically walking on his bone. And he's not really supposed to do that. No. Right. Right, at least when you lose your fingernail, you don't have bone exposed. Right. Yeah. This is getting, and you're not putting Are we getting there, Jamie? We figured we'd go yeah. that a little bit. <laughs> you're, you're getting closer. I think you left. La, 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 <laughs> so, so, Dr. Jones, we've got the, um, and how I try to describe it to people is, like, there's a little bone inside the hoof that is shaped just like the hoof. And it's like a little mini hoof inside the hoof, and that's what detaches. It rotates down. Uh, so I guess some of the causes and some of the, you know, reasons that, that this would happen, what are they? Well, that's definitely what we wanted to get to today. And uh, Jennifer hit on some of them, but, you know, the biggest thing this time of year is new spring grass comes up after the nice snow has gone away. And you get this really rich carbohydrate spring grass, and a horse that's a bit sensitive to the carbohydrate overload will eat it and founder. The other thing would be down here in Florida, if you plant what we call winter rye, it comes up very green, full of carbohydrates, and you put your horse on it because you have a very dry desert pasture because all your summer grass has died, they can also founder from that. The other problem is they get into the feed bin. So they, got, they open those doors where, again, I'm back to my two-barrier system. Please have two barriers to keep your feed contained and secure because they open up that feed door with their mouth and turn the knob, get in there, and they start having a heyday in that grain. That's a high-carbohydrate overload. Where they just things, rip the door off, you know, whatever. That, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The other thing would be, would be the um, factor of the road founder. You see more in draft horses or in some of the working horses they're carrying carriages and such. Um, you can see that happen, and that's concussion to the foot where it, it uh, damages the lamina and the lamina die. The um, most recent now with Mayor's foaling, retained placenta. You need to make sure that you witness the foaling procedure of uh, your mayor so that you can make sure that the baby came out, stood nurse, but also the placenta came out. So retained placenta. Any kind of sickness, you can get a uterine tear, you can get uh, endometritis uh, from an infection that goes rampant. They get a high fever, and you you are treating those those diseases, but they can also founder because those diseases are releasing toxins that affect the blood flow of the foot. 
Um, phallic, that was definitely touched on by Jennifer. You get the big fat pony, has too many fat areas. Um, they're called insulin resistant now. Uh, the older horse, they have Cushing's that, that affects their um, release of their st- the steroid cortisol in their body from the adrenal glands, and that takes over, decreases their immune system, and, and causes founder. Um, You've got the Barbaro effect. We all remember Barbaro. He was supporting more weight on one limb than the other when he had a surgery, and they were concerned about him foundering in the opposite leg uh, because he's putting too much weight on that leg. And then, yes, and then thus he foundered. Um, fever from being shipped. Horses are going home from the winter circuit now. They're going to go back up north, and those horses could get a pleuritis, a really bad respiratory infection. With high fever again and any kind of bad infection, they can go to founder. Diarrheas um, from stress being shipped from one place to the other or just being um, in a barn that has a rampant diarrhea problem going through, you know, those can also cause a founder. So there's... Anytime a horse has got a fever, you want to address it as soon as you can. Don't wait because there are cascading things that could happen besides just their fever and their initial injury. My God. There is. (laughs) (laughs) That's overwhelming. Okay, people. Yeah, it sounds like, it just sounds like breathing will give a horse founder. And that's what's so unfortunate is like the initial reaction in the body of the horse is, let me have swell, you know, or release or do whatever how bad (laughs) it's going to get. Um, yeah. the, the These horse feet are starting too. to hurt. <laughs> <laughs> well, we we no, got I, the solutions for you. Just put them in a bag of ice, and you'll be fine, Glenn. Okay, yeah. good, good. Sure. I'll try that. <laughs> that would be the next thing. Is you know, what do you do? First of all, how can you tell your horse? I'm sorry, Christy. I'm taking over your whole segment. No, here you're fine. Now, the the signs that we see is what they call a sawhorse stance. Okay, what does that mean? It looks like a sawhorse that that the carpenters put boards across, and those who have never seen that is basically they're kind of parked out. They want to get off their front feet. Their front feet are hurting. They're throbbing. They're hot. They're painful. They they just want to get off of them. Some of them tend to lay down more than they normally do, and that's kind of a key to the um, clients. But when they go to turn in the stall to go from one side of the stall to the other, they'll still be interested in eating. But when they turn to go from one, you know, like their hay bin to the to the bucket on the floor for their grain, they rock back on their back hind limbs a little bit and just barely touch their front feet down to move from one side to the other. Um, you bring them out on the pavement, and it's like walking on glass, broken glass for them. They're very sensitive. And it's primarily front feet, again, that we see this in. Those those are savvy. They can feel a digital pulse in the front feet, like an abscess would be the same thing. That you get an increased pulse, but this is both front feet are usually affected, and you get this high digital pulse, which, you know, if your horse was just recently done by a farrier, and the farrier, you know, they're all human. It's not. I'm not picking on farriers here. The farrier tends to get them a little bit short and quicksome, as we call it. They might have that same look as a founder. So, you know, in my history, I'm taking from the client is, were they recently done by the farrier? Yes, they were done two days ago. Oh, well, it may not be founder unless they were just in the feed bin or you just put them on new green grass or, or they just had a fever or, you know, if it was just the farriers out there, they might have just gotten trimmed a little short and that's all. And you just tell your farrier, hey, last time you're out, they, they were a little ouchy for a few days and, and then the farrier knows. But, um, if it's not within a time period the farrier was just out there, you might have one that's starting in a laminatic episode, and the sooner the better. Obese horses, they're just a, they're a founder waiting to happen. 
And what I mean by obese horses, the ones that have the big crusty neck and they're not a stallion. They get the big fat rolls behind the shoulders. They get the big fat pockets on top of the tails. They're seriously a founder waiting to happen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's funny, I mentioned that too. One of the horses, a couple of weeks ago, we were horse shopping for a student, and we went out and saw a Morgan uh, gelding that literally looked like that. And I said, yeah. what do you feed it? Oh, well, it only gets two flakes of alfalfa twice a day, and then it gets a lunch hay, and then it's getting all this grain. I was like, you are 10 minutes away from founder, from laminitis, sister. You better stop feeding your horse. It's just amazing. People just shove all this food to these horses that clearly have, um, you know, a sensitivity, I guess, or, you know, yeah. basically they're just big and fat. And yeah, so, you can almost relate it to like a a, a a diabetic if you want to. It's not truly exactly the same cascade, but you can say, look, diabetic people can't go out and just eat whatever sugars they want to all the time. They have to watch their diet, and that's what these horses mm-hmm. need to do. They have to have their diet watched for them by people that are getting educated on it. I had a, a gentleman say, so I am almost killing my horse with kindness, and I said, yes, sir, you are. So he had to now separate her from the gelding because the gelding looks great, but she is such an easy keeper. She breathes air and she gets these fat pockets. So you have to separate them now and feed her differently. And that's what people, I think, are doing, are killing their horses with kindness. They think, oh, I'll just feed him more. He'll be so happy when he eats, and you're killing your horse. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Christy, no, take over, I think over, it's an please. important point to also when you're talking to your vet about your about the, your horse's diet, I start to say your diet, I meant your horse's diet, um, is to really <laughs> understand what you're feeding your horse because a lot of people don't realize, you know, you have so many flakes, you have so many coffee cans or scoops or whatever that you're feeding, but you may not know how much you're actually feeding your horse. And weighing your feed, I think, is a really important thing. And also just, just to make sure, if nothing else, that you're on the same page with your vet or your nutritionist when you're talking to them about your horse's diet. I have just a little story. It's actually not related to horses. It's related to dogs, but you're going to laugh anyway. So I had a friend who uh, had a basset hound, and this is probably one of the largest basset hounds I've ever seen. She was huge. But, yeah, she's a basset hound. They're not, none of them are skinny, right? Um, but he was talking. I happened to, to go with him to the vet with his dog one day, and they you say, well, you know, she's, she's really kind of heavy, and she's, you know, how, how much are you feeding her? And he says, well, I'm only giving her a cup of food a day. And having been to this person's house, I knew exactly what he meant by a cup, and I looked at the vet, and I looked at him, and I said, okay, you guys are on two totally different cups. You're talking about a measuring cup, and you're talking about, like, the Tasty Freeze Big Gulp, you know, <laughs> four-cup cup. <laughs> exactly. And uh, back to you weighing them, weighing your hay. Your hay, when it comes, you might get a bale one week that weighs 50 pounds. You might get a bale the next week that weighs 75 pounds. So you really need to know what those individual flakes are weighing out to. Yeah, well, I do that when I carry them around. I'm like, oh, this sucker is heavy. You only get one. But these are mm-hmm. these are lighter, so, you know, I can give two of those. Just, I mean, you know, you don't have to put it on a scale to 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 know that, you know, granted, it's probably better that you do, but you don't have to put it on a scale to know, like, oh, my gosh, this is very, very, very heavy and concentrated hay and thick as opposed to a light, fluffy, airy flake. Right, right. And, and maybe you don't have to wait to measure it all the time, but it, you may, there may be some value in weighing it kind of at the beginning, just so you sort of kind of develop your eye or your, your arm strength to go with, okay, I know about this is about this much weight. You may, sometimes it can surprise you if, you have, if you've never weighed your stuff before. Yeah, mm-hmm. a fish scale is what I've seen works beautifully. You hang it from the ceiling, you put a net, a hay net, underneath it, and you just gather up the edge of the hay net, put it on the end of the hook of the fish scale, and it gives you the weight. It's fantastic. Yep. Easy, easy, quick, and easy. So, so training them, 
treating them. There's many yeah. varieties of treatment, but you know, lately we're going back to icing. We used to stay them in streams many years ago. We went away from that. Now we're back to that. Icing, icing, icing the feet. In fact, I've got a mayor right now that's at the hospital. They're icing her feet because they sewed up uterine tear on her, and they're worried about her getting thunder post-surgical Post uterine tear peritonitis because you got to think about that uterine tear was dumping you know fluids and stuff in the in the abdomen that's not normally in there so you know she could possibly founder so you've got all these things you got to you know keep in check that um, you want to try to prevent but also we use it for treatment so icing the feet has been a common thing to do how, um, how long how long when you say icing the feet what you know is it. Ten minutes every hour? No, they did a study, and they went out and they uh, checked the horse's feet that stood out in the Canadian snow, found out that they don't get frostbite. So they could stand in that ice all day long, 24 hours a day. Hmm. It's just Hmm. whatever your maintenance and management can handle. But as often as you can possibly do it to keep the heat down is my my verbiage. And this is primarily a preventive, okay? This isn't, you know... Uh, and we do it actually when we see laminatic episodes, we do it at that time too to get the heat out of the feet. Uh, the other idea is the um, there's bandamine that's used, there's DMSO that's used, either IV or they tube it to them. Um, these are oh, uh, that's horrible too. God, I am one of the sensitive <laughs> ones to DMSO, and by God, I would find a way to splatter that stuff across my face, and I would taste garlic. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But all these things are, there's no recipe that says your horse foundered for this reason, and we're going to do this because that's going to keep them from getting worse. We can do the same protocol on Jennifer's horse. It has the same kind of founder as Glenn's, and I'll lose Jennifer's. I'll keep Glenn's. And then Jamie comes in with hers the third time, and I do, gosh, it didn't work on the last one, but that's what I've always used to work. And hers also, you know, passes away. I can't say I'm never going to use that protocol again because I've had other horses live on it and others that don't. It, it, we still don't know enough about the disease to know what triggers some of them to get tons worse or continue to rotate. And the whole process is we're trying to get, get the lamina to stop its insult, and if we can get the lamina to stop at a certain point, the rest of the lamina will not die off or will not have its insult done to it, and the foot won't rotate more or rotate it off or won't sink. And that's that's what we're trying to do is just stop the process. So is there a special, like, say you've got a little bit of laminitis. It hasn't gotten too crazy yet. I know that there's a million different ways that people recommend that you shoe a horse. What What do you think is the best way? I say, first off, you need to have a farrier that's willing to work with your veterinarian and a veterinarian willing to work with your farrier. If you do not Amen. have that, you've got a recipe for disaster right there. After yeah. that, it depends on on the type of founder, and I'm going to defer this to who we're going to have speak in a couple weeks regarding foot care, which I completely respect this gentleman, um, and I, I run by my really toughest cases by him, and he's given me some excellent advice, and a lot we've, we've won, and there's been a few we've lost, unfortunately, but um, the wooden shoe is becoming very popular, and I'm, I'm loving it, and I think it's doing a fantastic job on some of these chronic or bad founders. The wooden but shoe? It's not, it's not the be-all and end-all. The wooden shoe. Okay, I think I just read something about that. Interesting. So the, the wooden shoe, 
Um, and then I know that people, you know, oh, you got to have this round and then that round. Well, you know what? We're going to have to talk about this a little bit more again. Obviously, you can go to thehorse.com forward slash laminitis to find out more. We're going to have to wrap it up here in a second. But obviously, extremely important that your vet and your farrier can work together and communicate because you got to take x-rays and the barrier's got to look at it and be able to fix it and be able to tweak it the way the vet says. So, um, yeah, I find that is a difficult yet important part of your having your horse team around you. Would you agree? Absolutely. If you do not have that working relationship, you need to find two of them that will work together, whether that means firing your farrier or firing your veterinarian. Somebody, two of them need to work together. And you, they got to yeah. put their egos aside or their differences aside or whatever it is that they're having problems with the other person and try to make the horse number one at that moment in time. You and sound, like Dr. Jones, <laughs> she sounds ahead, like she's speaking from experience. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, we all have growing pains, and I'm sure there's times where I came across a little bit belligerent, and then there's times where I've run into a few people that wouldn't listen to my advice. And uh, so, you know, I, I have a great group of farriers. I don't have one. I have many farriers that I work excellent with here in Central Florida. But it's taken years to nurture that relationship. I'll, I'll be honest. It's taken many years to nurture that relationship. And it's a respect you get for each other. And sometimes I've asked them to do something, and they looked at me and said, are you sure? And I said, I, I, trust me on this. And if it doesn't work, it's, I'll chalk it up as it doesn't work, but let's try it. And they're willing to try it. And if they look at me and say, oh, this is absolutely not going to work, then I'll say, okay, let's do it your way. All we can do is try it. And the owner's got to understand that everything's a trial basis because not every single laminitis has a shoe that fits it. Absolutely. And one thing I wanted to bring up um, back to the to the team approach is that it's not it's also it's not just your vet and your farrier it's your horse owner too, and yes, where that comes into play is is a lot of things. I mean, some of it's nutrition, like we said. You know, if your if you got an overweight horse with a metabolic related laminitis and you're continuing to throw him twice as much food as he needs, it doesn't matter what you do to his feet; he's probably not going to get a whole lot better. You know, or yeah. if they say strict stall rest, you say, oh, but he's so tired of being cooped up, and you turn him out in the pasture for for a day or for half a day, and his feet are still really fragile. You just undone everything that's been done. So it's very important. It's not just the vet and the farrier, but the owner carries a very large responsibility for taking care of this horse and getting him through this laminitis too. Question, Dr. Jones, before I let you go, because, Christy, I think you hit the nail on the head. How many times have you been out to somebody's farm and you say, oh, you know, they actually need some antibiotics, so let me get you some, and they go, wait, no, I already have some. Uh, Would this work? And they bring out the antibiotics that you prescribed last time you were out there. (laughs) And they had left over because they didn't use them up. It's just like the medical doctors say, you have to finish your antibiotics. Even though you're feeling better, you have to finish them. Exactly. I don't know how many times we ran into that. I'm like, why are we prescribing you medication if you're clearly not even going to bother giving it? So, you know, guys, owners, take care of your horses, do what your vet says. (laughs) Client compliance is very big, especially when it comes to laminitis. If you want to save them, you really need to work with everybody. Absolutely. Well, you guys, this has been awesome, very educational and exciting to me to talk about it, and I love having you all on. And we will have you on again next week. And, Glenn, you will lose your lunch. We will find out a way. <laughs> we're we're going to have to work on a way because we're we're going to be working on laminitis, um, topics related to laminitis for the next couple of weeks. And next week we talked a little bit earlier in the show about grass and laminitis, green grass. And it's not just necessarily green grass. Sometimes the brown grass is actually very dangerous mm-hmm. or even more dangerous. 
So we're going to be talking about that next week, uh, draft hay and laminitis, and then we're going to get into the metabolic issues and then into the shoeing treatments. It's laminitis one. Yeah, that's right. So <laughs> in three weeks, when their feet start falling off, that's when I'll be at Rolex and hiding <laughs> from you guys. So could, this was uh, very yeah, fascinating. Can, Actually, I found it very interesting, too. And I know Jamie, Jamie could go – she could talk – she is a health weenie, Jamie and Jennifer both. So they could talk about this stuff forever. But we do have to run here. Thank you very much, guys, for joining us. We really appreciate it. Of course, it's thehorse.com. And if you want to learn more about laminitis, it's thehorse.com slash laminitis. Thank you to thehorse.com for continuing to uh, help us out here on Horses in the Morning, providing us the tips. We really appreciate it, and they do a terrific job with it. And, of course, if you want to find out anything about horse health, horse, uh, thehorse.com is the place you want to go. Well, thank you, everybody. We'll be back again tomorrow with another new expert and a different horse tip. And don't forget, you can listen to Horses in the Morning every morning from 9 a.m. to 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time at horsesinthemorning.com. Well, we'll be back tomorrow with the second part in the Laminitis series from thehorse.com on Horses in the Morning. And we'll continue to do that through we get all through all four parts. We hope you find this helpful, and maybe it'll help save a life of a horse out there by listening to this series on Laminitis. It is one of the things that you have to be concerned about if you have horses that have any kind of outside grazing activity at all. So we'll be back again tomorrow. And have a great day, everyone. Wear your helmets and be safe. The Horse Radio Network and the Horse Radio Network hosts are not responsible for statements of guests or their opinions. Use your own judgment when listening to the tips provided by the experts on Horse Tip Daily. 